God, we thank you for what you've done. God, moving mountains in our lives and the lives of those around us. God, we thank you for this, this season. God, you are so worthy, so worthy. God, we just bless your name today. God, we just praise your name today as we go forward. God, let our lives bless your name. Let our lives praise your name. God, as Scott comes to preach, let, let those words that come from his mouth be your words to our hearts today. God, that your word would move us today. That your word would bless us today. That your word would lift us up today, God. God, we're here to lift you up and to glorify you, but we're also here to be fed by you. God, we just bless your name today. Does anybody have anything to share? God speaking to you? Something for you to speak to us? You know, when Scott talked about um, uh, not to despise small beginnings, I remember years ago the Lord was teaching me that because I did a lot of public speaking. And it seemed like, you know, your fellow speakers, the first thing would be, was how many people showed up? Like that was the big criteria of how popular you were, quote unquote. And I had a contract to go do a brown bag luncheon at Boeing in Seattle. So I was expecting 50 plus people and it was on stress management. Never forget, it was called How to Swim with Sharks Without Becoming One. Anyway, all that said, I got there and there was one person. And we waited and we waited to see if we would get some more. And there was one person. And I just knew God had a plan. I knew he had a plan. So when nobody else showed up, of which I was very grateful for, not just because I was going to get paid the same if there was one or if there was a hundred, that he had a plan. And that gal, because nobody else was there, could pour her heart out on why she was taking a stress management class. And I got to lead her to the Lord because there was no interference in the atmosphere. And when I left... Boeing was just so apologetic and, oh, we're going to pay you. Don't you worry. You made the... And I thought, you have no idea what I got paid today. You will never know. You will never know. And I couldn't... If that woman was in this room today, I wouldn't recognize her. But I know come heaven time, she's going to say, thank you. You brought me here. Because he had a plan. And what looked like small beginnings... Huge, just absolutely huge. So anytime the enemy wants to come tug on your ear and say, eh, think of that story, because it's his story and he gets the glory. Cool, cool. Yeah, anybody, anything else? Any good testimonies this week? No. All right. guys you sure I just felt like in worship uh, I was in the back and I just 
I know how it is when you really want to just let loose. I was telling, I texted Marilyn because last week she said, there's times where I just want to bust out and hoot and holler. And yeah, and I, I get it because even I feel a little reserved because, you know, I know we all remember that song, I will become even more undignified than this. I will dance, I will sing to be glad for my king. Anyway, I know when I'm alone in a room or when no one else is around, I, I do express more. I just want to encourage you guys to, to be free, just to step out. Maybe, you know, if you need to spread out and not be right next to somebody, as <clears throat> it can be distracting. I have to, I love to be next to my wife, but there's times where I just need to move away so I'm not bumping her hand constantly or she likes room too. But I was in the back, and I just had my eyes closed, and I, I just felt like I was, as I moved my arms, I could just see this, this wide open, it was like swirling and white. That's all I can think of. And, you know, God was just speaking to me about his, his nature, his purity, his holiness, and that I'm in him, I'm wrapped up. And I felt like he, he said that there's so much room here. It reminded me of the lyrics of a song where... Um, uh, Jonathan Helzer is saying there's so much room here. The song is called Endless Ocean. Your love is an endless ocean, a bottomless sea. But I felt like he was saying there's so much room here. And he reminded me that this walk that we are all invited to walk, it is not a tight rope. It is not a tight rope. You're not going to fall out and fall away from him by making a wrong step. We can pull out Bible verses to try to justify that type of theology. And you can pull out other Bible verses to justify the tightrope theology. I am not willing to walk in that kind of Christianity. We've all been there. We've all done that. We've all, we've all put the, the, the line so high, the standard so high for our personal performance of walking out the holiness that we have received by grace. That Jesus paid for. He has credited to your and my account full righteousness. The old me is gone and dead. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. I can't put makeup on the dead man. I can't make him look alive and presentable. I can't make him perform a holy, perfect walk. He's dead. The life I, I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God. It's from faith to faith, to faith. It's not just one time I asked Jesus into my heart and I put my faith in him. It's from faith to faith to faith. I'm walking this line, this, this, it's a line, but it's, it's more of a road. I'm walking this road to see the one who I have my eyes fixed on right now. I'm walking this road to see him face to face one day. And I want that barrier between him and me now to become thinner and thinner. So what he's invited us on is not a tightrope that you have to be careful that you don't lose your balance and fall off. It's just a walk. It's a run. It's whatever he wants you to do with him at this particular time. It might be rest in who I am, but the key is to keep your eyes fixed. Keep your eyes locked on the face of Jesus. Um, we'll get to some notes, but I just was reminded 
uh, who was it? I think it was Bill Johnson said that there is a joy center in our brains that responds to the countenance of the one who is our overseer. Like when you're holding a baby and they look at your face and you're like, hi, baby, and make all those baby boo-boo sounds and you smile and they smile. They begin to smile. They respond. And no, it's not gas. Get so irritated when people, oh, it's just gas. No, my baby's smiling. I know when he's too, (laughs) he or she. Anyway, but there's something about looking upon the countenance of the one who is your parent or your caretaker, looking upon their countenance and responding to their face. If all you see is God as angry and disappointed and unhappy because you have failed again, because really Jesus didn't cover you, and you're really not wrapped up in Christ, and therefore the old is gone and the new has come. All I see is you and your imperfection. If that's the God that you see looking at you, then you're going to feel condemnation, shame. You're going to feel religious duty to strive for something Basically, it's like walking all over the cross. And how you see yourself, if you see yourself as that old man that's actually dead and in the grave, you're going to produce fruit out of faith that resembles that, that dead person. So if all I do is say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just forgiven, not perfect. We've all seen the bumper sticker perfect, not forgiven. Therefore, I can step on it and fly past you and cut you off on the freeway because I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Then the other guy next to you pulls up and speeds past and his bumper sticker says, God, save me from your followers. (laughs) Anyway, so with all that said, I just feel like he wants you to know, take a deep breath. If you want to do it now, I was going to do it. (sighs) Relax. Just relax. You're safe. The name of the Lord Jesus is a strong tower. And the righteous, by faith, the righteous run into it and are safe. We are so safe right now where we stand. There's no safer place you can be than in the hands and in the, in the presence, in the, in the pleasure of the Lord. And you're in his pleasure when you are his son or daughter, not because of what you do. My children don't, yeah, it makes me happy when they do things the right way and don't do the wrong things. But even when they mess up, my pleasure is still over them. I I look at my kids and I love them so much. They can mess up day after day and it's not going to change my affection for them. Nothing is going to change his affection for you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He can't love you any more now than he did before you said yes to him. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. He sent Jesus to die for you and me before we would ever say yes to him. Before the foundation of the world, Christ was crucified, the Bible tells us. It was a done deal. It was a plan in God's heart before the world was even formed. That means even Hitler, even the worst person, he died for them too because he loved them that much. Knowing what we would do, knowing that we would all sin and we would all fall short 
of the glory of God. But we're justified, justified, just as if I had never. We're justified by faith. Kids, if you want to know what it means to be justified by faith, it means just as if I had never sinned. When God sees you as one who has put your trust in Jesus, and you've said, as we were singing, I will give you all my worship. I will surrender all to you. You I will give you my life. I lay it down. When you give Jesus your life, he credits the righteousness of Christ to you. He covers you in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we worship him, because he covers us. He's our covering. He is our covering. So take a deep breath. Relax. Prepare to run the race or prepare to sit, whatever he wants you to do right now in this week to come. And just look to his face. Hebrews chapter 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We lock eyes on him. We look upon the countenance of his face. We look to the Father. We see the Father's pleasure, his good pleasure over us to adopt us into his family. If you can see the smile of heaven over you, it's going to change everything. It's going to change how you talk to people. If you feel like you're under the scowl of heaven, it's going to affect you too. You are going to act like a a butt. I'm not looking at you in particular. I mean, I am. You know, it's no wonder a lot of people don't want to become Christians when they look at a lot of the followers of Christ, not because we have our bad days, but because they see how you represent God when you're telling them about him, and you better get your life right with God, by golly, because he's going to give you a whipping. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to talk like uh, John Wayne. Is that who it was? By golly. I didn't even watch John Wayne. I just know that voice. If we, if we represent, we are representatives. We are Christ's ambassadors out before the world, imploring them on God's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because, and this is where you get to fill in the blank, because he loves you so much and he sees you as a son or a daughter, and he wants to bring you into his arms. He wants to have a relationship with you. He sent his one and only son to die for you, to wipe out your sin so that nothing would get in between you and him. Or your message could be, be reconciled to God because you're going to go to hell. Look at what you're doing, living with your girlfriend or having a same-sex relationship. I am not approving any of that stuff because... The Bible's clear what sexual immorality is. And really, the only way to not be, let me reword that, the only way to not, yeah, not be committing sexual sin is to be having sex in a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. That is what the Bible shows us. Anything outside of that, anything. It's even sin to lust after someone in your heart because Jesus said, Even when you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with them. Now, I know I'm going in a different direction by mentioning that. 
But the fact is, when you come to Christ and you get your sins forgiven and you recognize the goodness and the kindness of God and you are called to represent, represent the Father, our message shouldn't be a message of condemnation. Our message is a message of reconciliation, forgiveness of sins, a new life. We don't need to be the ones to fix all of the issues that people have. Yes, God may use you to disciple someone and to speak the truth in love and to show them things that are keeping them from their destiny. But that doesn't have to be the number one thing that we put in front of them saying, the only thing that's keeping you out of heaven is your sexual sin or your drunkenness or whatever. You guys know the list. You guys okay? Maybe we'll get to some notes. I don't know. Forrest is our, our stopwatch. Oh, it's 12.15. Maybe we'll get partway through it and maybe we'll cover the rest next week because I've got a lot of stuff. You want to take over? Okay, but you guys are doing all right? Okay. Just had to get that off my chest. Sorry. <laughs> take a deep breath. Fix your eyes on the face of the one who paid the highest price to redeem you and adopt you into his family. The glorious freedom of the children of God, of the sons and daughters of God. Glorious freedom. We are so free. Who this? It's Marilyn's favorite. Well, it was your favorite. Now you got a new favorite. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I like that word. When I think of indeed, it's like, I know what a property deed is. It's an official piece of paper that you have to have in order to sell or buy a property. Well, you're free indeed. It is done. The new covenant was executed in his blood. It is, it is written and it is finished. The work of the cross is final. It's the final word. That is the final word. You cannot add anything to it. It is finished. Tetelestai, that's what he said from the cross. That word in, uh, I think it's Aramaic or Greek, I don't know, it's Greek to me. Tetelestai, what Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Tetelestai, from what I've heard, is the same word that they would stamp on a legal document saying, paid in full. And then another uh, translator said that there is something in that word that speaks of, go get your bride. What is it? My bride. Yes. And it makes sense because, you know, you had to buy your bride back in those days. You had to pay, you had to pay the, <laughs> the, the bride's parents. What? Goats? Is that what you said? Goats. Goats and sheep. Gold. Silver. Silver. Yep. I think they had it down. Yeah. <laughs> These girls are worth some money. I'm going to pay off some bills. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. So anyway, um, so Isabel, we're going to skip that first thing that I was going to open with because your mom threw me off. I totally lost track of what we were doing, and I wanted to let her run with it, but then I remembered we had some things that were locked in place. So... 
here's some notes. So I, I feel like, what just happened? I just shut it off. I didn't shut it off, but I mean, I clicked the button accidentally. Here we go. Let's just go ahead with that first one, even though it's kind of hard to read. I'm gonna, I'll read it to my best ability. You guys are probably going to really struggle with that, aren't you? I don't know if I can read the one on the back wall. This is Psalm 37, the first seven verses from the Passion Translation. Hope, translation. Hopefully you guys are okay with the TPT. Um, I like the Passion, but I also use the English Standard Version. I use the New King James and the NIV today and this morning just to, to give some different uh, expressions of the word. So this is the first seven verses of chapter 37. Don't follow after the wicked ones or be jealous of their wealth. Don't think for a moment they're better off than you. They and their short-lived success will soon shrivel up and quickly fade away like grass clippings in the hot sun. Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God. Fix your heart on the promises of God, and you will be secure, feasting on his faithfulness. Just say feasting. That's a good word. Feast on his faithfulness. Keep trusting in the Lord. Do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God, and you will be secure. We fix our our eyes and our hearts on the promises of God of God. Feasting on his faithfulness. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And he will provide for you what you desire the most. I'm going to pause for a second. I'm going to testify. That was my scripture before I got married. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I made it my aim in life as a 21-year-old, 22, 23, all the way up until 26 when I met Tammy. Seven 20 to 27, seven years of walking with Jesus. I made it my aim, my goal, to delight myself in the Lord, to find my delight in the house of the Lord. I loved Abundant Life Foursquare. I couldn't wait as a single kid to get to church. I loved to get there on a Wednesday night and worship my guts out and feel the presence of God and be just filled with joy. That was my house that I got to grow up in. God was doing awesome things in that season of my life. And then he moved me on somewhere else later. But during that season, I chose to stay the course and delight myself in Jesus daily, in his presence, seeking his face, holding on to the promises that I was beginning to learn as a new believer in the Bible, longing for, for a touch of his spirit to come and breathe on me. I wanted an encounter with the presence of God. I had heard of people having the baptism of the Spirit. So I went after the Holy Spirit baptism, and I got what I was going after because I I didn't want to give up. I chose to keep staying in that place of worship and the Word. I wanted to pour out everything I had in me before His feet, and I wanted Him to pour into me everything He had from His Word. And I hungered for His presence. And he met me about three blocks up the hill in a house on Virginia Street. I was on my knees weeping before the Lord. In the wind of heaven, I could feel his presence pouring over me 
as I was singing an old corny Petra song. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the lamb. Take me into the holy of holies. Cleanse my lips. Or take the coal. Cleanse my lips. Here I am. And in that song and in that moment of worship by myself, he met me in a powerful way. He was already living inside of me, but he showed up in an even more powerful way and came upon me and filled my, my body in my living room. And that was just the beginning. And he wants that for you and me now, like right now, as we're sitting here in this room. He wants to fill you and empower you with his presence, with himself. He already lives in you if you're a Christian, but he wants to explode. We're going to get back to the scripture, and it's probably as far as we're going to go this morning, but a couple weeks ago, we sh- before communion, I showed you guys some pictures of the holy place, uh, the golden altar and the candelabra and, and showed you the curtain. And then when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, it's paid in full, my bride. The curtain tore in two from top to bottom, a three foot thick curtain made out of twisted ropes and gold and fashioned angels, uh, ornaments and things and pomegranates, all kinds of stuff woven into that, ripped from top to bottom as if the hands of God came and said, no more is there a separation between me and people. Now the way into the most holy place is through Jesus. It's through Jesus, through his broken body on the cross. So why did I detour for a second? I don't know. It'll come back. I'll just try to keep staying in the vein here. It's his will and his desire for you and I as the temples. The Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You consist of three parts, just like the Hebrew temple. You have the most holy place within you. It's your spirit, your innermost being, Paul says. You have a holy place where your daily priestly activities happen. It's called your soul. It's your mind. It's your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your daily activity. You have outer courts. It's your body. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill you and lead you from inside out. The Bible says those who are led by the flesh don't please God. Or those who are led by the sinful nature cannot please God. But we also call that the flesh. If we're led by our body's desires, we're doing it backwards. No, we want to bring our flesh. We want to bring the outside of this temple into submission to the spirit of God who lives inside of us. He wants to lead you and direct you and speak to you from within your spirit. The Bible tells us that when you receive Jesus, you, your spirit becomes one with the Holy Spirit. That used to bug me because I was really paranoid about New Age stuff. You know, the Christ within. Well, guess what? Christ in you is the hope of glory. He lives in you if you're a Christian. I'm not going to go into why the new age thing is, is wrong and how it's different, but for me, that was one of those areas where I was nervous. I didn't like talking about using that verbiage, Christ within, or one spirit. 
but he has become one with your spirit. That's how you are born again. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, birthing new life into your once dead spirit. A spirit is, that's actually is alive. I mean, you are alive. If your spirit's dead, then you're just a walking corpse. You're a zombie, right? The living dead. Did I lose you kids? Okay. You know what a zombie is, right? Okay. So if you don't have a spirit in your body, you're just a zombie. You're the living dead. You're a walking dead person. Okay. You have a spirit in you, but when you're not a Christian, that spirit within you is dead towards God. It's cut off relationally. You don't hear his voice. You don't feel the, the power of the Holy Spirit enabling you to walk in righteousness and holiness. You don't have the ability to put sin to death by the Spirit of God. You're led by your flesh. But when you're born again, he wants to fill you and flood you with his presence and lead you by the Spirit from the most holy place within you. You're, you're holy of holies. The throne of Jesus is right in here. He's made his, his throne. He's seated on the throne of my heart, of my spirit, not the pumping muscle, but the spirit within me. Maybe it's in the belly. Is that where it's at? <laughs> it doesn't work for me. It's only when those spirit-filled ladies put their hand on Tammy's belly and they start speaking in tongues. Like, -da -da -ba -ba. And she starts shaking and, because she gets an impartation. <clears throat> we'll practice on that. Okay, so what I was trying to get to, and we're going to wrap this up pretty soon here, pretty quick. The, the reality is you and I, as believers in Jesus, are in a process that God has put us in. And it, the process is he's forming us and he's transforming us into the likeness of Christ. Basically, he wants us to look like Jesus. He wants there to be a family resemblance not where we all have the same hair and sandals and robe and beard, okay? He doesn't want us to look like that Jesus. We actually don't know what Jesus really looked like, unless you think the shroud is what... Anyway, it's, it's the fruit of the Spirit that he wants you to look like. It's the likeness of the Father. It's the, it's the love of God. You know, when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father... Okay, well, he wasn't saying that the father and him look exactly alike. You know, the long-haired Jewish guy with the, you know, Jewish features. I'll be nice. I've heard people say things. And I'm like, that's kind of weird to say that in church, you know, describing the nose. And Anyway, um, but Tammy is part Jewish, so I guess I can say it. And Yeah, keep on moving. <laughs> so he wants us to, to represent him. He wants us to resemble him. He wants us to look like Jesus. And it's, it's in the heart. People need to see the heart of, of the Father, the heart of Jesus, the love of the Holy Spirit flowing out of us. When they look in our eyes, you know, I've encouraged you guys, make eye contact with people when you're out shopping. Just, just stop and be like, look in their eyes. It might be awkward for a second, then look away if it gets weird. But just look at them. Just look at him. <laughs> and God might give you something to say to them. If people are staring at you in a strange way as you walk into the store and you were just worshiping in your vehicle, they might be seeing something in the spirit that you don't realize they're seeing. 
Tammy and I got out of the car at Costco one time, and we were like, we each have a flame. It landed right on top of my head, and I shook my head like that. And as we walked into Costco, the lady at the door was like, yeah, I wasn't like manifesting or doing anything weird. Yeah, back of the car in the parking lot. But we walked in and she was like looking at us all weird and we're like, what? There's been a lot of times when we've got there because we've worshipped in the car. And we get there and people walk by you and they're like looking at you and you're like, what are you staring at? So if you take time when you're out among people and look at them, just make eye contact. You know, Jesus was on his journeys, but he stopped at the well. He engaged in a conversation. He was going from one place to another. But he's thirsty. He had to get his groceries. He had to stop at Starbucks. He had to get that coffee. Stop and just look at them eye to eye. You may not have anything. But God may give you something. It could be as simple as have a great day as you're making eye contact with them. Or Merry Christmas if it's Christmas season. And people's faces light up. It doesn't take much. Yeah, it's so true. So since God is fashioning you and I into the likeness of Jesus, and he's put a flame right on top of your head, Holy Spirit, just like in the book of Acts, with the first church, the original beginning of the church, the Spirit of God came, and it would look like divided tongues of fire, whatever that looks like, flames of fire, came and rested on top of every one of the believers. And they began to worship and speak in other languages, speaking in tongues, prophesying, worshiping, acting like drunk people. (laughs) Sounds like a lot of fun, I think. And you and I have the same Holy Spirit. We don't have a different Holy Spirit than the original church. It's the same God, one God, one Spirit. One Father, one Savior, one baptism. It's the same Holy Spirit baptism they had. And you carry him. You get to host the presence. You are a living host. It's kind of a creepy word sometimes. It's a host for something. A lot of times we think of hosts, and it's more in the demonic realm. You know, that, that animal has become a host for a demon or something like the pigs that Jesus sent the demons into. But we get to host the presence of God. And he's not going to leave you. You can quench the, the flame. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can cause him to be grieved. But it doesn't take much to get back in, in the right position with God. It's called repent. And repent just means to change your mind. Acknowledge that you were going in the wrong way and turn and start going the right way. When you take your eyes off of Jesus and you've grieved the spirit because you, you're, you're focused on something that's not of, of the kingdom, something that's of the world, that's not what he wants you to focus on, like someone did something bad or has caused you to feel bitter or jealous or something, turn back and fix your eyes on Jesus. Repent. Change your mind. Come back to him. He's already forgiven you. You don't have to beg for forgiveness all over again. You just need to get right. It's like, yeah, I don't need to use a marriage illustration, I guess, because there are times where you have to ask for forgiveness in that situation. But I know. She does it all the time. I'm like, I forgive you, Tammy. <laughs> I'm teasing. You guys are getting so quiet. 
You carry the Holy Spirit. You are a host for the presence of God. If you're going to be like Jesus in this world, then it makes perfect sense, and I would say it should be expected that you release the power of God in your life, that the power of God is naturally supernatural, releasing from your life. You don't have to get the person that you think is the most spiritual to lay hands on somebody. You just have to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And by faith, because you know he lives inside of you, you put your hands on that person. You go to that, that old woman in the grocery store who's holding her wrist because she has arthritis pain. And you, if you're making eye contact, ask, would you like prayer? Has anybody ever prayed for that? I've, I've said that to young people before when they have casts on their feet or legs or whatever. I think if that was my son or daughter, it would be so sad that I didn't ever pray for them while they were injured. So I see them as one of my kids and I try to break into a, an opportunity to ask them, has anyone prayed for that? Would you like prayer? You'd be surprised. They may just let you or they'll just be like, no, that's okay. I'm good. And then you're like, okay, God bless. No, you don't have to do weird stuff, but you know, but you, you might feel weird for a moment. But he wants us to be like Jesus. He wants us to represent him and to manifest his presence, to recognize who you are and to know who you carry within you. And he wants to just, it's not all about them, but it is about them. It's not all about you, but it is about you. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. It's not about getting your stuff perfect and all together just so you can be used by God. He just wants you. He just wants to... Delight in you and you delight in him. Delight yourself in the Lord. And that's where we pull right back into this. Delight yourself in the Lord. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. And he will provide for you what you desire the most. I'm going to keep on running through that and we're going to wrap up with this. So give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. He will appear as your righteousness. As sure as the dawn of a new day, he will manifest as your justice. As sure and strong as the noonday sun, quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Keep your hope alive as long as... Okay, sorry, let me read it. My eyes are really straining to read that. Keep hope alive as you long for God to come through for you. And don't think for a moment that the wicked in their prosperity are better off than you. So verse 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And we're going to wrap it up with this thought, with this point of meditation. When it says to wait patiently, that is that word I brought to you guys a few weeks ago. Um, Bill Johnson did a teaching on this. And if you, if you get a chance, if you really want to hear some stuff that's really going to make you think, and it will change, it will bring change. It's messing me up in a good way. Um, subscribe to the Bethel Church podcast and listen to what Bill's been saying this last month. 
But he said that word for wait, and I can't say it in the Hebrew, but it starts with a CH. That means it starts with a ch sound. But it, it, has, it has to do with, um, it's been translated as the whirl in the dance or as giving birth. Waiting on the Lord is, is that place where we're still in the dance. We're still in the process of going through whatever we're going through. We're still going through the trials, the tribulations, the obstacles that we have to push through. We still have to run through those Goliaths. Okay, so, But as we're pushing forward, we stay focused. Just like the whirl and the dance... You're focused on where you're going to land. You're like, you don't want to hit the coffee table. You don't want to land on the dog. You don't want to hit the shoes. I know uh, Naira's thinking of her worship time back there. <laughs> no one else saw it. I shouldn't even mention it. I'm sorry. Just lost your footing for a moment. Just for a moment. <laughs> also in giving birth. It, it's the same word as to give birth or to um, be in labor. When a woman is having a baby, Tammy could speak for this because I'm really not a good one to testify, although I was in the room holding her hand. But you keep your focus. Your, your focus is not on what your neighbor said to you a month ago that made you mad. Your focus is not on who's the president. Oh, yeah, that guy. Was he tweeting right now? No, you're not concerned about anything. You're, you're focused on this baby being born or whatever you choose to use as your focal point. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. We fix our eyes. We lock our eyes on him. And we, we press through the process that we have to go through. Why don't you guys stand up? <clears throat> you know, John Wimber once asked, can a Christian have a demon? And he responded, I don't know why you'd want one. They make horrible pets. I guess that one didn't land very well. <laughs> That's not anything to do with the message, but I did have it there on the notes, and I thought I should read that. The battle that you and I face is in our heads. Bill Johnson has said the only closed heaven any believer has is between their ears. There's a reason why the Bible says to be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. Be, be changed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Ephesians 4, 23, he says to be renewed in the mind of your spirit or the spirit of your mind. There's something about changing the way we think. Chris Valentin had a message about this very thing, saying that your neuropathways are formed when thoughts are dropped into your head. And he used the picture, scientists, I guess, used this, this picture. He read it somewhere. It's kind of like taking a hot marble, like a piping hot marble, and dropping it into a block of cheese. It goes down, and it creates a pathway. You and I have pathways in our thinking some of it is stuff that we've learned over our life that's not healthy thinking. 
But God wants to change the way we think. He wants to transform us through the renewing of our mind. He wants to create new neuropathways, new ways of looking at life. He wants to teach us to see life from his perspective, from heaven's viewpoint. And the more we do that, one of the things that we all struggle with is when someone hurts us and we need to forgive. And sometimes you have to forgive and forgive and forgive over and over. But the more you forgive and the more you speak the blessing of heaven into that situation and and change the way you would normally think about that, well, I deserve justice, I deserve, look what they did. Moving from the old way of thinking where that neural pathway may be like a freeway and shutting that freeway down and creating a new pathway. They hurt me, but I forgive them because look at what Jesus forgave me from. Look at the mountain of debt, the mountain of sin that Jesus took away from me on the cross. And I release them from the offense. I release them. I forgive them for what they did to me. I, in fact, bless them. I pray, God, that you would fill them with an encounter with you, that they would come to know you, that they would have the blessing of health in their life, that they would prosper, that their children would come to know you and their children's children. When you begin to, to declare and to bless and to, to see things from heaven's perspective and make that the confession of your faith, you're going to begin to create new neuropathways. You're going to be renewing your mind, renewing your thinking, and it's going to change you. It's going to change how you approach things because stuff's going to happen again. People are going to make you mad. Maybe they don't even know they're doing it. It will happen. So let's pray. You guys good? You okay? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, more than anything this morning, we just want to be filled with your presence. And we know it's your will. We know it is your will to fill every one of your sons and daughters with your life-giving resurrection power. So this morning, we recognize it's your heart. You said in your word, what kind of a father, if their son or daughter asked them for bread or for fish, would give them a snake or a stone? How much more does the father want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So this morning... We just lay our hands on our own hearts or our heads, wherever you want to put your hand, wherever you need the Holy Spirit to come the most. If you have sickness in your body, you can do that. We just lay our hands on ourselves and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill each one of us. Let the flame that we each carry, that, that flame of fire that is a representation of the Holy Spirit in us, igniting us on fire for the kingdom, let that flame be cranked up this morning. Let the light of your glory that is resting over each one of us increase. We just say, let it increase this morning, Lord. I just speak increase over my own life. 
over the flow of your spirit being released out of me and having free reign within me, I just speak increase. Let it double, let it triple, let the anointing of heaven increase in this room this morning. We pray this because we know that Jesus, you paid the price for this, that this is not something outside of the atonement, but you paid the price that we could have new lives, new identities, Holy Spirit power, and the forgiveness of sin, and the promise of being in heaven with you one day. A new identity. We want to be like you, Jesus, and we know that's your will, is that we would be transformed into your likeness, into your image, so we say fill, fill this morning. I pray over the young people, and if you adults would just maybe stretch your hands towards them. I pray over you youngsters, all of our kids, we just release the presence of God now. We just declare over you an open heaven, that heaven is open over your lives, that it is the heart of God that you would know him intimately and deeply and that you would hear his voice. You would know his heart. You would know the dreams that are in your heart that come from him. That you would find your delight in the Lord. That you would delight yourselves in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. He who promises is faithful. He's faithful. We speak the faithfulness of our God over you. Our God is the only God and he is a mighty God. He is faithful and true and he's trustworthy. We can trust him. We can bank everything on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is your father. So we just thank you, Jesus. We bless the kids. We bless the rest of this gang. And we just say we love you in Jesus' name.